are you listening to Discovery Debrief? And uh, so did I. It's Jason Isaacs, who was, at some point, some version of Captain Lorca. Right now, I'm just a fan. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Discovery Debrief, a podcast setting a course to discuss the future of the final frontier in Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, and more. I'm co-host Chris Clown. I'm joined by two members of our bold panel of Star Trek franchise explorers, including Rachel Clow. Hey. And Cicero Holmes. Actually, my name is Glenn. Glenn, yeah, yeah, that's that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it was Gene. It was, it was Gene. Gene. Crap. It's yeah, so it was Gene. Yeah. Yes, it was a while ago. Yeah, and uh, and that's a problem. But before I get into that, uh, we are welcoming a very special guest. Zach, you couldn't join us tonight, and uh, ably sitting in his stead, but also bringing his own ample brain power to the occasion is a very special friend of the show, Mr. Sharif Jackson. Sharif, thanks for being a part of this once again. It was good. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. I, lo- I love listening to the show. So thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Oh, well, it, it's enriched by your presence. We really appreciate it. Um, and of course, uh, some th- there's been a few things happening in the world. I don't want to take up too much time Uh, talking about why we're so late, because this is actually an episode where we're going to be talking about three episodes of Star Trek Discovery, because we need to catch up. Uh, I think we were all a little bit distracted by some of the things that have been going on in the world. Um, You know, just just a little bit. But um, now that it looks like there's some kind of a conclusion, at least for now, um, we can talk about things like Star Trek again. And it's, I think we're all the better for it. Uh, but I think we're all generally pretty happy with how things went overall. Yeah. Yeah. Big relief. Yeah. Wait, why are you looking at me like a, with a question mark? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you were pleased. I'm looking at you suspiciously. I, I danced so much. Yeah, I, I got like sore. <laughs> like my legs were oh, sore man. from dancing because I've been so sedentary. Rachel, Rachel was out there doing jigs. She she got her uh, she got her steps in. Thanks. Yes, I did. Yeah. Well, and it, I don't think it's any secret. Um, this panel, how we felt about uh, the general election and and the outcome that we wanted, and uh, I mean, watching news broadcasts was like uh, more than one person pointed it out all over Twitter. Is like watching the end of Return of the Jedi. Right. right. Yeah. It, it really was. Uh, Deeply yeah. offensive to the right. emperor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually likened it to um, Will Smith and and uh, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, uh, it, it, yeah, Independence, Independence Day. Day. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, inserting the virus into the mothership. So they flew in with a bunch of mail-in ballots and just yes, inserted yeah, them into yeah, the absolutely. mothership. I, I like. It. I, I think it's. I think it's fitting that in 2020, the year that has felt like a decade. That election day mm-hmm. took a week. 
you know, oh, yeah. the, you know, it is. Yeah. Uh, Just pour gasoline on it, the fire. It is, you know, the, the, it was definitely exactly the type of election, uh, that, that, uh, we we deserved for 2020. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, and just like um, you know, there's no more cases of the virus if you don't test for it. There's no more votes if you don't, if you don't count them. That is right. Correct. So, uh, well, and there's still drama with that, obviously that's unsettled. But let's move on to, to some other things, Cicero. I actually wanted to throw it to you okay. first. Because I heard some news that I think you would be excited oh, about. Is that right? Uh, apparently, it was exclusively reported by Trek Movie that in December, uh, the Orville is returning to production for season yes. three. Yes. Um, and um, obviously, Orville is Star Trek adjacent, but highly inspired by 90s era star trek in particular and i know that you're a big fan of the show how do you feel about it uh finally rolling uh, I, again? i'm i'm ecstatic and and in fact it would um i think surprise this panel and maybe even uh the debrief world to know that i am not the most excited person in this household about that news um, yeah, so, so, uh, in one of the things, one of the benefits of the pandemic and being home, uh, a lot has, is given my stepson and I a chance to kind of, uh, enjoy watching television together and different shows. Uh, one of the shows that he's picked up is as a result of watching Lower Decks and loving it was the Orville. And he is enamored in capital L love with that show. Um, and it was had constantly, at least once a week, uh, says, man, I wish there was more Orville to watch. Um, so yeah, so he, he just consumed it over the last four, four weeks or so. Um, so it is still very fresh in his mind, both seasons, and he is chomping at the bit for, for more Orville, uh, so much so that he is, Toying with the idea of watching all of Star Trek now. Yeah. Wow. So, so uh, you know, so uh, for for all the things that uh, you know, for as much maligned as Seth MacFarlane may be, um, with the Orville, he has. I think he has been successful in paying homage and uh, showing his his love and adoration for star Trek, uh, and has at least in my household created a star Trek fan via the Orville. That's really cool. And it, it's actually, if you decided to jump into like a full franchise watch with him, maybe by the time you finish next gen, presuming TOS is up next for you, that could be his starting mm-hmm. point. It if you want it, I mean, you could start wherever well, you want well, to. Yeah, course, so but. so I was thinking that I would start TOS with him. So because it is, he watched an episode, or he saw me watching an episode of TNG, and he thought that show. He looked at it and he was like, "Wow, that looks so old." He thought it was from the sixties, like it just yeah, wow. it just existed in some time well before him. So I imagine that him watching a show that was actually from the sixties 
may may feel ancient to him. And I want to be there with him to kind of be his guide and coach him through those episodes to help him get and uh, gain an understanding and an appreciation for the characters so that he can, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, kind of just pedal on his own um, through, through, sure. through the series. So, yeah. So I think we will definitely wind up starting TOS together. Um, That's awesome. But, uh, yeah. Well, I'm about halfway through. I'm actually almost exactly at the halfway point of the series of TNG for those people that were uh, keeping score at home. Uh, I just finished episode 17 of season four, Night Terrors, on oh, yeah. to the, the Halloween episode. Um, and I'm on to uh, Identity Crisis. Now, since you've gotten past a fair amount of season four, what did you make of uh, of the episode right after the best of both worlds, where everybody got to go home? Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, that was great to watch Picard. Uh, you know, uh, go back to the place that we had seen him. And to be honest, to 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 be quite frank, I had never seen that episode, so I had not mm-hmm. seen Chateau Picard prior to Picard. Right. Um, so I, I was unaware of the fact that this was, they were just reestablishing a location as opposed to introducing a location in Picard. Um, you see a lot more of it in Picard, but they definitely evoke what you saw in correct, that episode. Correct. Um, yeah. so yeah, so I mean, that was great. And, and, and like really getting an understanding of Jean-Luc Picard, the person, um, was was mm-hmm. fantastic and and seeing the rest of the crew kind of do their thing um has has been really great um you know chief o'brien is now uh he was a lieutenant at one point now he's back to being a chief but he he actually mm-hmm. has a a name a first and last name and a wife now um which all of that kind of it seemed like it came out of nowhere and it probably did kind of come out of nowhere but i i'm happy that yeah, o'brien yeah. um you know a a seminal member of of the of the franchise is finally has a voice and a, and and some depth uh so yeah so like that's that's been really cool i'm still upset with with uh jordy and jordy's lack of a of a love life you know i mean at this when did Leah Brahms come back to the Enterprise? Was it later in no, season? No, no, no. So I've 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 watched that episode already. Um yeah. Oh, okay. I've that. Yeah, well because she shows up a couple yeah, of times. Yeah. So yeah. So I watched I watched the episode where the actual Leah Leah Brahms uh, right, when she actually yeah. awkward. That yeah, was a disturbing yeah, was, episode. I, I like Yeah, it, it was it was a very, 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 very weird episode. Um, you know, unfortunate for for everyone involved, uh, especially Jordy, who who uh, is made to look like a creep. Yeah, he really uh, does look like a creep. You know, and it yeah, and it does kind of. He, he is yeah. a creep if you actually do yeah. that. That's that's pretty yeah. creepy. Yeah, uh, like yeah, and that's I mean it's it's such a weird thing because like, would he have been a creep if he had just come out initially and said, "Hey, look, this is this is how I know these things about you." Because I did this thing, um, and you know, I was like trying to save the ship, and I needed your expertise based on this AI. Like, would he have been less of a creep if he had just kind of admitted it out 
if he was front? upfront about it. Uh, I mean, probably, I but I think it, he should have like, you know, permanently deleted the program. Well, like, yeah. get rid of yes. it. Yeah, that would have helped. But it doesn't. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, you should. It didn't yeah. change the I, fact I that he know. did it, right? Like, it doesn't change the fact. Like, I, I, I definitely agree with you. Like, he should have deleted that program. Like, why, why the hell do you still have it? But like, it didn't. Him deleting the program and never speaking of it again is almost worse than keeping the program and having some some modicum of shame about your feelings about it, right? Mm-hmm. So, sure. like, yeah, I, I, I wonder about that. That's a that's a real interesting question. Is like, Jordy got it yeah, pretty rough, yeah, yeah. by the, the writers' room. Yeah, it's pretty fair. It kind of didn't fit with the rest of his character. Uh, no, I hundred percent agree. Agree. Agreed. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of new Star Trek that to talk the, about. And there's a couple. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's bound to happen. Um, just another quick note: production on season four of Discovery has now begun, and they're preparing to roll cameras again on Picard. And it sounds like they're preparing to to amp up Strange New Worlds. So we got a lot of Star Trek coming down, uh, and I'm here for it. I'm pretty happy about that personally, but. Let's talk about a whole host of other Star Trek. So we've got three episodes that we're going to to go through right now. Far From Home, People of Earth, and Forget Me Not. So let's start with Far From Home. So uh, with Far From Home, this is kind of the second part of... I mean, the the first two episodes of the season, they were not structured as a two-parter, but they feel very... Uh, very connected because we're seeing in the, in the first episode we saw Michael arrive. And in this episode we see discovery arrive and we don't know exactly when they arrived at the beginning of the episode, but let me just give a quick and dirty uh, rundown of what happened in the second episode, just as a quick refresher for all of us. And for all of you listening, the USS discovery crash lands on a glacier. The ship is damaged and crew members are wounded, including helm officer Kayla Detmer. Acting Captain Saru decides to repair the ship before exploring the outside world, but they learn that they are missing resources that they require to complete the repairs. Saru and Ensign Sylvia Tilly go to a nearby settlement to get the resources they need and find a group of poor miners being oppressed by a courier named Zara. Or Zara? I think Zara. The miners use programmable matter to help Discovery in exchange for some of the ship's dilithium, which would allow them to leave the planet and escape Zara. However, Zara himself arrives and attacks the group, killing one of the miners and planning to take all of Discovery's dilithium. He's stopped when Philippa Giorgio arrives against Saru's orders and overpowers Zara and his men. The crew return to Discovery with the resources they need, but the glacier's parasitic ice has encased the ship and it is unable to take off until Michael Burnham arrives and frees them with Book's ship. So obviously a lot of stuff happens in the episode overall, uh, but that's just kind of a, a brief rundown of uh, of what took place in it. Rachel, let's start with you uh, because we didn't get your full perspective on the season premiere. So, going into this one and coming out of this one, how do how do you feel about it? Were you along with the discovery on the on the journey, and how did the end of Michael's rescue land with you? I felt kind of relieved that they were getting to the discovery. Um, I, after the first episode, I was like really worried that they 
we're going to just not have the rest of the cast in the show for like some significant amount of time. So I was really happy to to see everybody and this is this is where they like elect Saru captain, right? I think it's in the next episode. Oh, okay. But that's what's going to happen. We're running through three of them. It's okay. Yeah, it's like running through uh, yeah. Um I I, yeah, I don't. I was trying to keep everything straight, but yeah, mostly I just remember my relief, mm-hmm. and I liked. Um, I liked that they were that Michael found them, and she was happy, and um, I thought it was a clever little thing to have her hair be long, so that you know it was a really long time. Sure. <laughs> immediately. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I I guess people were complaining that they felt like she was overacting that moment or whatever. People but. have been saying that about her for this entire show. And it's just something that I fundamentally disagree with personally. But. Yeah. I mean, I certainly didn't get that. So yeah. Well, I mean, God, just think about all of the stuff that she goes through over the course of every episode of this show. And you couple that with the idea that she was probably repressing her emotions to an unhealthy degree because of the way that she was brought up. So when she finally gets back in touch with them, they're probably going to come pretty fast and furious, I would imagine. Yeah. Right? I guess. I don't know. I mean, people just complain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's, that's, that's the core of it. Yeah. Sharif, how about you? What did you make of uh, of episode two of this season so far? Uh, I thought it was um, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it was a, the first episode had me so hyped that this one was a bit of a low for me, but not like super low. Um, mm-hmm. What it really, you know, um, really sowed the seed for me was oftentimes with the first two seasons of Discovery, I was always a little worried that they weren't properly developing the other people on the bridge. Like there were several people on the bridge that I wasn't even sure what their names were, which I thought was very weird. Um, so they were clearly putting the effort, you know, into only a few folks. Um and they really started to show a bit of uh, Detmer, you know, of the pilot, you know, like showing her kind of recovering from this. Uh, I think it was a concussion or something. Um, it's no, yeah. It's, we, I don't think we totally. Yeah, know we're not yet, sure, but, but I mean, but 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 you know, obviously everybody's hurt from slamming into the planet, right? But yeah, but right. at the very least, it just makes it seem like they're gonna do something with her in the season. And we could talk about that, you know, when we get to the other episodes, but that always gets me excited because I feel like there's sort of this lost opportunity where they have these other characters that they could, you know, get into, you know, um, a little more. So like the promise of that, like excited me a lot. Um, otherwise plot wise, it was, you know, pretty traditional, like we're stuck in a situation. Let's get out of it. You know? Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. plot wise, it wasn't boring, but it was definitely like, I think pretty straightforward and pretty like, um, you know, uh, by the book, I guess. Um, w- yeah. when like, uh, you think of as like a Trek episode goes, um, so I enjoyed it. Um, but c- kind of more excited about the possibility of them developing, you know, another person on the bridge. You know, what you say strikes really true with me when watching this episode, because there comes a point, and this is one of the reasons why I really do 
respect discovery in addition to liking it so much is they don't let these big major questions linger for too long. And the truth of the matter, at least for me while I was watching it, there were still so many big questions around their arrival. I was distracted by those and it kind of took me out of the moment of what they were experiencing on the surface of the planet. That was pretty well wiped away by the next episode. But I mean, now that I know, okay, everybody's fine. Let's let's move along to, to what the next major set piece is going to be. But no, it slowed the pace down, which is fine, but I'm just impatient. That's my problem. <laughs> but uh, but no, I totally I, I think I'm totally with you. Cicero, how about you? Episode two of season three. You, you well, you and I talked in the in the season premiere episode about how you wanted to see the rest of the crew and now you got it. So how did yeah, it hit so, you? Yeah, so um much like my conversation, our conversation about um, my feelings about Lower Decks and um, and how it wasn't Trek versus, you know, w- when I realized I was wrong. Um, and this is another moment where I get to feel like a petulant child as a result of uh, the, 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 the showrunners here in, you know, for Star Trek Discovery. And, and because... At the end of of the first episode and the end of our first episode, I said what was missing was the crew, and that you know, like it's you know, why have this mystery? We know they're going to be back. Why are we doing this? You know, let's we only have a certain amount of time with these guys. Why can't we have the crew with us the entirety of of our season? Um, and then they did this episode, and and. It gave me a chance. Like what I didn't realize was that we needed to be able to see the crew without Burnham, right? Because Burnham is, you know, Burnham is Odysseus, right? Like she is always driving to the next adventure. There's never really a chance to to stop and and assess what's going on, right? Like she is she is our hero so we need to know what's going on in her journey at all times um but this was a chance for us to see what else is happening see what's happening with everyone else and it was brilliant in in my you know from my perspective and i and and i gr- agree with sharif's assessment of the episode um like if you look at 10,000 foot view he's exactly right it was just kind of like we, you know, we weren't worried about the danger for these guys. We weren't worried about like what was going on, but it was cool to see them. But I think if you, if you, when you get closer, what you get to see is the dynamic between Doug Jones and Michelle Yeoh. Um, this, the, the goofy power struggle that they had on the surface. Um, anytime Tilly is on the screen. Uh, or Mary Wiseman. Um, anytime you get to spend time with Tilly, that's it's it's time well spent. Um, like and and you know what the hell is going on with Detmer, right? Like I I'm getting yeah. I'm getting Chekhov Rathacon vibes from Detmer right now, and and oh, okay. um, like it's just it's real, like it's tense, obviously, but like we needed Burnham to be away in order for us, the audience, us, the fans, the viewers to be able to experience those things and, and to, Mm -hmm. to really appreciate the gravity of all of these other relationships that surround her 
but but are just as important without her. Um, and so I think I think episode two did a really really great job of demonstrating that. And along the way, we got to see Emperor Jojo versus uh, acting Captain Saru. Uh, and the two of them, like it, it was just a tug of war between Doug Jones and Michelle Yeoh, as far as I'm concerned, over who was going to steal the scene. Um, Michelle Yeoh's performances of Emperor Giorgio, while not over the top, but it's just it's cool and it's aggressive. And and Doug Jones's performance of Saru is very reserved and inward, um, and like it was just a symphony. Uh, like just uh, just like dueling pianos, I felt like when they when they were in in the scenes together. And then again, the effects are are top notch. Like I think we we've seen three seasons now. We, you know, we're into the third season of of this show, and I think we kind of take for granted how magnificent these effects are. Um, and I think it it is worth pointing out, like the 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 action, the choreography, and the action scenes, the effects, coupled with the the music direction, the fact that they're able to do all of these things in a pandemic is just is really phenomenal. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. No, and um, I mean, to me, it was great to see the dynamic of the crew intact, uh, and. I think that it's something that they're starting to develop in a way that feels very distinct from the other shows. Uh, I, I certainly don't disagree with Sharif though, and that there's members of the bridge crew that certainly could use more development. We're getting there. I think we're getting there. I think these, the, the second episode is a really strong step forward. Uh, we'd already seen more of Detmer than some of the other people. But uh, I, I like where it's going, and um, it's a good way to try and make it feel more like Discovery. And, and I mean, Discovery is a different Star Trek show in a lot of different ways, but most particularly the way that the cast is structured. I mean, the main characters are clearly Burnham and Saru by this point, and uh, we don't get some of the regular interactions with other members of the crew outside of Stamets and Dr. Kolber, probably, and Tilly that uh you know it's not like the seven person ensemble that that TOS and TNG was um yeah. but that's okay i think it's starting to, to get to that point uh and i like this episode it was cool to see burnham sort of act like a a, a superhero and saving the ship at the very end and i thought it was appropriate considering everything that they had been through but we also got a lot of a a lot more of a fuller perspective concerning the absence of the Federation at this point in time and, uh, and what that vacuum has done in across the galaxy. And, uh, it's certainly not good. There's definitely room for, for hope to return. But, um, before we move on to the discussion for the next episode, I wanted to just, uh, read off some continuity points provided by the fine editors at memory alpha on the episode page uh, the USS Discovery's crew complement was established as 136 in the first season episode, Choose Your Pain, with 88 crew remaining and at least one dead following the transit through the wormhole. Approximately 47 of the crew members must have decided to remain aboard the Enterprise in the second season finale. The uh, the Korra Knights were previously seen in two episodes of Enterprise, Shadows of Pajem 
and Demons. These two episodes presented two radically different appearances for the species. Uh, this discovery episode, Far From Home, uses the appearance that uh, defined them in Shadows of Pijem. Zara uses the term Vadresh, which we hadn't seen since the Short Treks episode Calypso. Uh, and according to Calypso writer and Picard showrunner Michael Shabon, Vadresh is a linguistic distortion of Federation. Uh, so kind of interesting that they brought that nomenclature back. And then of course, Burnham establishes that a year has passed since the events of that hope is you part one, uh, which began in 3188. So it looks like the, the timeline that we're stuck in from now on is 3189 and beyond. So pretty solid episode, but let's move along to, uh, to the second episode that we're talking about the third episode overall of Star Trek discovery season three, People of Earth. So I mentioned before, um, this show does not have a lot of, it, it doesn't leave you with big questions as a Star Trek fan. And that's one of the things that I loved about it. You know, season one, you're wondering, well, where's the Enterprise? And season one ends with the Enterprise and you get to see Captain Pike and all of that. It bear hugs the continuity. So when you arrive in the 3180s with a world that doesn't have a federation, one of the big questions obviously is, well, what's going on with Earth? And this episode is all about what's going on with Earth. So I was really uh, excited to learn some of the details that were going to be laid down here. So let's have a little bit of a recap. So after Sahil is unable to locate the discovery in 3188, Burnham becomes a courier and works with, with Book, searching for clues as to the fate of the Federation. She finds a transmission from Admiral Senatal on Earth, but is unable to get there with their limited dilithium. After a year, Discovery arrives in the future and Burnham finds them. Saru becomes the new captain, and Discovery's dilithium is stored on Book's cloaked ship for safety. Using Discovery's advanced spore drive, they travel to Earth and find it no longer part of the Federation. Investigators from the United Earth Defense Force board Discovery and explain that Tal is dead. They're all attacked by dilithium bandits who the EDF attempted to destroy until Burnham and Book tricked the bandits, capturing their leader, Wen. In negotiations between Wen and EDF Captain Ndoye, the two sides realize that they can help each other and prevent further fighting. A young investigator named Adira reveals that she is the host of Tal's Trill Symbiont and is connected to his memories. So, with this one, I think the thing that I personally found most satisfying about it is that it leaned into what is admittedly a Trek trope, but it did it really well in that it revealed that the EDF were actually human, indigenous to the to the Terran solar system. And, um, you know, it's that whole thing. It's it's you learn more about your enemy, you take their mask off and you see maybe they're not too dissimilar from you. And um it was a revelation that that really satisfied me, but there was just a lot of stuff going on in this. We got to see a lot about Earth, obviously the post Federation Earth. Rachel, what was it like to see Earth at this point in time, and how did you feel about the kind of hardcore xenophobic bent that the planet has taken up in the hundred and fifty years since the Federation collapsed? I thought it was good. <laughs> it wasn't surprising to me. I think when you find out the Federation isn't functioning anymore, um, 
I was pretty much expecting that the earth was going to have some sort of, um, like defense mechanism around it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that, that wasn't surprising. I liked the, um, the reveal at the end of, of the guy in the bug mask when mm-hmm. that he was actually a, a person and like they try, you know, they tried to reach out for help, but they were, they were, you know, denied. So they or exploded. <laughs> so, they, so, so they like created their own enemy. It's a nice little um, allegory for xenophobia kind of, makes people who could be your friends into your enemies i think Mm. um i yeah so i really enjoyed the little classic trek morality play um which some people think this show is not capable of for some reason yeah i don't know i mean (laughs) i think i'm just not gonna listen to what people on twitter say about anything (laughs) it's probably a good idea um so outside of cicero Cicero's <laughs> tweets are <laughs> yeah, but I can also like hear Cicero's opinions in on the podcast. That's true. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Right. Yeah. So. Uh. Yeah. I. I liked it. Um. I don't like this one. Isn't quite sticking in my brain as well as the other two. So maybe that's not a good sign. I don't know. My brain's... I'm very tired. Well, it, so. it, it, it went through the questions that are outstanding very quickly, right? Like, it doesn't seem like we're necessarily going to be visiting Earth again this season. Or at least I would be surprised if we did. Yeah. 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 Wait, this is the one where they all hugged the big yeah, tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They that, went like, to the tree of Starfleet. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was nice. They made the big old tree. Yeah. Hugged the big yeah. tree. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Cicero, how about you, man? Uh, people of Earth, seeing what Earth has become in the absence of the Federation, um, human nature to its natural conclusion or something else, and also your 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 man finally got the promotion that you have been saying he's deserved for so, years. So um, America is getting a, a president that they deserve, and Star Trek is getting a captain that it deserves. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, so, I mean, duh, Saru has become the captain, um, which is actually kind of an inside joke for, for us, um, because, uh, we, we received a message from Doug Jones, uh, just days before this episode aired, where, where he, uh, he talked about being the acting captain and, and, you know, with a wink and a nod, just kind of said, who knows what happens with that? Like, we don't know. Um, and, you know, that was that was fun to to have that in the back of my head as we were as we were watching that episode. And, you know, and I could I could say, you know, finally it was over. And I wound up saying that twice in two weeks. Right. Uh, for, for maybe maybe we'll, we'll plug the audio from that transmission at the end oh, of this all episode. Right, maybe. All right, so yeah. that uh, so that everybody can can hear it. Now, granted, so this, this is the second time that Cicero has facilitated a member of the Star Trek cast giving the the debrief crew or members of the debrief crew a direct message. So Cicero, thank you, and also be advised. That this is not a short message. No, no, it is, it is not. Um, 
listen, uh, Saru is has uh, you know, like I am, I am a Saru stan and have been from from very very early on in this in this series. Um, Saru has been moving up my bracket of favorite Star Trek characters. Um, and like, I can see via the, the compassion and just joy, uh, from the message that we received from, uh, from the actor who portrays him, that it is not just the performance that makes Saru as compelling as he is. It is the person that is playing him that, Mm -hmm. that creates that, um, so yeah, so Doug Jones, a thousand, a thousand times, thank you. Um, and if uh, you know, allow me to say that if you guys want to have a great cameo experience from someone that is just an amazing person, please book Mr. Doug Jones. So absolutely, um, yeah. So uh, outside of that, like, yes, that was dope. Um, it was great seeing Earth. Uh, you know. Uh, human beings r- relying on on the 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 fight part of their fight or flight instincts um it never surprises me um in in fact even even though i try to remain an optimist um i know that we can be better and we strive to to be better and uh, we should all strive for fight for and and encourage everyone to be better um, I am, I am never surprised when we aren't. So to see the earth in that space, um, was, was definitely like, like Rachel, uh, not surprising to me. Um, what was really cool though, was, um, we met a new character, um, someone that wound up, uh, that winds up, um, staying with us on, on the ship, um, in Adira. Uh, and and mm-hmm. this character is uh it's not really i think well i think the character is a girl or or a woman um but the actor is non-binary so they're playing you know they're playing a woman i think in in as this character but what we learn at the end of the episode you know this character is very precocious is is a young character um, but very precocious, a, a brilliant engineering mind. Um, and what we find out. She can match wits with Stamets. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And, and and within seconds, you know, within moments of, of seeing things. So, um, but uh, like what we find out, obviously, at the, at, you know, by the end of the episode is that uh, she is a human who has been joined with a Trill symbiote. Uh, and, and that symbiote is, is the, the admiral that the, or the ambassador, was it an admiral or it was an admiral? It was an admiral. admiral. Uh, is the admiral that we, that we were looking for. Um, so like, Mm -hmm. that's like, oh, holy crap. Like, okay, we've got someone. So not only is, is, uh, Burnham going to kind of be our guide, like Burnham is like the liaison between, these people from the past, from, you know, from a millennium, a, a millennia ago, um, and being their bridge, their liaison between, you know, them and the present day. 
but we also now have someone from the present uh, who is a part of the crew and can learn from these people from, you know, they're, I mean, they might as well be marble statues for her, you know? Like, yeah. uh, so that, like, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see if they play with that dynamic. Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Sharif, what about you? What, uh, what struck you about revisiting earth and, uh, the first time that we get to meet Adira, it sounds like she makes quite an impression on you for the next episode, but, uh, you know, what about uh, your first impression and just everything that this episode laid down? Um, I love this episode. Um, I thought it was very strong. Um, I agree that the sort of uh, xenophobic earth is not a big stretch, but I think the way they handled it. Um, first of all, I want to give props to Endoye, right? So usually when they give the leader of earth, it's usually not a not only a black person, but like a person of African descent, which I thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Props to them for beaming their inspectors directly to the ship. Like they were not playing around. <laughs> like it wasn't like a turn away. The yeah. Yeah. Like it, like it wasn't just like a, Hey, like turn away. Like you're not welcome. They were like, yo, we are coming on right now and inspecting <laughs> stuff. I thought that was awesome. Um, th- that to me was a very un, like th- th- that was something I don't necessarily expect from Star Trek. That kind of, aggressiveness i guess outside of you know like a like an antagonist but they were really like yo we self we are self self sustaining um the cover story i thought was pretty interesting as well like we're like the generate like we're an old ship and like we're like the kids and great grandkids and great great grandkids of the original i thought that was pretty interesting um you know i i thought it was probably the best one they could have come up with um so i thought that like uh that like uh, that was great i knew there was something with adira from the beginning i wasn't quite sure what it was but she was definitely you know asking questions about the spore engine and all that kind of stuff that was like seemed like she just knew a little more than uh she was uh was uh letting on um Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean i really dug it like i i you know like uh the uh what was the bad guy's name? Uh, Ren or Gen, I think his name was. Um, yeah, pr- pretty forgettable, I thought. Pretty standard, you know, uh, bad guy. Um, I don't know if he comes back later um, or, like, if, like, that group of, like, antagonists, those, like, to, to, like Dilithium Raiders. Because you would think that that mm-hmm. would be sort of the main piracy, like, nowadays, right? Is right. raiding that, you know, you know, that, like, substance that was gone in the burn. Um, so I hope that they have introduce eventually some more compelling some more compelling like dilithium raiders um you know but uh, yeah i i dug this episode um a lot um i really liked it and and the tree hugging Great. was uh cool yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> literal, tree, literal hugging. tree hugging no i mean it, i and i don't know for sure but uh you know jean-luc picard hung out under a pretty big tree that at was Starfleet Academy. that was the tree it was, was the tree, the tree. Right? man. My how it's grown. <laughs> my how you've grown. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I I really enjoyed this episode too, but also naturally a little depressed that uh, Earth has kind of lost its way. You know, one of the founding members of the Federation, a really instrumental power. The last time that we saw 
the more recent uh, element of the timeline. You know, Starfleet was was pretty strong in 2399 and for such a catastrophe to blow the Federation all over the galaxy is, is unnerving, but I like how this episode kind of ends on the idea that there's, there's hope for a kind of reunification of the Federation. If this crew can facilitate these two kind of warring organizations and, and, and societies to lay down their arms, then what awaits them? What destiny awaits them in, in terms of playing a role in potentially reconstructing the Federation? I, I like that. Maybe that's not going to happen, but that's just the feeling I was left with at the end of it. And I liked it. Uh, continuity notes for this one. So this episode reveals that Earth left the United Federation of Planets in the aftermath of the burn a century prior. Status of the colonies on Luna was not revealed, but Earth apparently does not communicate with other worlds in the Sol system, including Titan, where one is from. People of Earth also elaborates on the nature of the burn itself. Rather than simply detonating, as Book had oversimplified in the season premiere, Dilithium spontaneously went inert and caused any starship with an active warp core to suffer a containment breach and explode. Burnham estimates that the event killed millions of people and caused the Federation to collapse almost overnight, as much of Starfleet was destroyed. This is the first episode to show 31st century Starfleet ships prior to their destruction, as we've only seen ships after they had been destroyed during the burn. This is the first episode or film to use a six-digit star date, not including the decimal. The first three digits, 865, are more or less consistent with the star date system used on The Next Generation, DS9, Voyager, and Lower Decks. Paul Stamets confirms to Adira that Discovery and her crew left from the year 2258. So this means that the later part of season two takes place at the same time as uh, the first two films of the alternate reality, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Jonathan Frakes played a human hosting a Trill symbiote like Adira is revealed to be in The Host from The Next Generation. Some poetic symmetry there. As of 2367, humans could not serve as hosts to Trill symbionts for more than a short period. That is apparently changed by 3189, though Adira's difficulty accessing Tal's memories could indicate that the joining by this point was still unstable. And Burnham has no idea who the Trill is, which is consistent since Dr. Crusher in the 24th century didn't even know who the Trill were in 2367. Uh, yeah. And so that's a lot of, a lot of continuity notes there. So, but um, uh, yeah, before, before we move on, I just, I want to talk about this episode for a second, if I may. Um, please. So I think it's interesting. I, and I think it was intentional um, much like, uh, I, you know, I have called them out before I will, um, and Sharif called it out this time. I want to, uh, take the, take the time to say that the, the casting, the naming of the leader of earth was most certainly intentional, um, by the showrunners, by the writers. And again, I applaud them, um, for, for, uh, showing and proving that diversity matters. Um, and uh, so, so I want to say that right off the bat. The other thing that I want to say is that I, it, it felt like earth was an analog for America. Um, and, and, um, it, you know, and, and often in, especially in Star Trek, it is right. Like, um, sure. but 
what what happened was something that can be predictable if you look at the way that if we if we have a real conversation as Americans about the way that we look at the world and and how we uh, facilitate our compassion as a result of the way that we look at the world. And, and part of that is through strength. Um, the reason that we can be compassionate, the reason that we can, can, uh, you know, have some moral superiority and, 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 and talk to someone without an agenda is because they don't want it with us, right? Like we've got the power. And, and so because we've got the power, it forces them to listen to the things we have to say. And you hope that we use that power for good to benefit, you know, uh, humanity here on earth, but also all species across the galaxy within, with, with respect to the Federation. And as soon as we lost that power, um, uh, i.e., you know, for, for us, it's, us being attacked or something like that. But for the Federation, it was all of these ships, their entire fleet, you know, or the majority of their fleet uh, collapsing. It, it forced the humans, the human part of the Federation to become more insular. They lost that security through strength and felt like the world was going, or the, the galaxy was going to come and get them. And so they decided we will deal with ourselves earthlings first. Um, and, and that is, that is something that was echoed in the mirror universe, um, by, by Gabriel Lorca. Um, it is mm-hmm. something that we've seen realized in, in 3189, um, in the years after the Federation's collapse, but it is something that we have seen here in the United States as you know, as we, as we became more insular and it's, so I think it's important for us to point those things out so that people can have that stuff in the back of their minds so that we can think critically and look critically at ourselves, you know, going forward and become the better versions of ourselves that we always want to be. God willing. Very well said. Thank you, Cicero. All right. Well, let's move on to the final episode that we're going to talk about this time. Forget me not. So this one was, (laughs) this was a doozy of an episode. Uh, That's a very simplistic way of describing it, of course. But um, this was a very, very, very character heavy episode for a new uh, addition to the cast which uh, I'm glad that this show decided to do. Not, not, not a lot of other supporting characters have gone to... Well, the last time that Discovery went to this level to establish a supporting character, that character was dead by the right. end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, which sucked. So this, this time, it's, um, it's a little more welcome. So here's what happened. Adira cannot remember how she came to be the host of the Tal Symbiont and cannot access the memories of previous hosts, such as Admiral Senatal. Burnham takes her to the Trill homeworld in hopes that the Trill can help unlock her memories, but the Trill are also no longer part of the Federation, but welcome Discovery due to their need for new symbiont hosts. However, many Trill refuse to believe that a non-Trill could host a symbiont, and Adira is turned away. 
A group of Trill attempt to kill her and take the symbiont, but Burnham stops them and a friendly Trill, Guardian G, offers to help. At the sacred caves of Makala, G and Burnham help Adira connect to Tal and unlock her memories. When Senna died, Tal was transferred to Grey, Adira's Trill boyfriend. However, Grey was killed shortly after, and Adira offered to become the new host to save Tal and the memories of all previous hosts. After unlocking her memories, Adira is able to communicate with Grey. Meanwhile, Saru attempts to improve crew morale with the help of Dr. Hugh Culber. So I'm going to toss it uh, first to Sharif because it sounds like this episode had quite an impression on you. And uh, tell us why. Uh, Well, I mean, I cried during this episode. Um, I'm not a big crier at uh, shows, uh, but this one hit me for sure. Um, As you said, it was a character-heavy episode. And Adira was somebody that I guess I didn't expect to really go on this journey with. Um, but you know, um, just seeing, it wasn't just about like getting the message from Senna, right? That was sort of the A plot, I guess. That was like the Star Trek move the season plot. This is really about somebody discovering themselves, right? And not only reconnecting with a, you know, partner that passed, right? Um, but also like, finding out who you are as a person, you know, and like reconnecting and finding out that you're part of this greater thing. Um, Finding out that that greater thing is going to, you know, hopefully help the world. But I don't think Adira really knows or even really cares about that. She's more like, I want to reconnect with who I am and I want to reconnect with my partner. And I'm telling you, man, when she, when they showed her partner come out at the end, um, I lost Mm -hmm. it. I lost it. The wrecking ball. Yeah, yeah. When, when she came out behind uh, Senna, and I completely lost it. And then when she played the violin at the end, I lost it again. Um, so, yeah, Excuse I mean, me, sir, the cello. Yes, oh, cello, whatever. The 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 <laughs> uh, string instrument. Uh, I am I am not a uh, instrument person, guys. Sorry, um, but, but um, yeah, I mean, it was. I loved it because I think what Star Trek at its best. Well, I think sci-fi at its best has this dual purpose. They have the sort of layer of sci-fi techno babble stuff to get through the, like, you know, to like get the, the quote unquote sci-fi part of the episode out. But they also have these underlying, just completely relatable human stories about struggle and sacrifice and love and like, you know, um, self-esteem right and guilt i mean this episode covered all that via adira um you know and like uh, also also like the xenophobia of the trill like they called her an abomination you know um and now the only part that i thought was weird was that they kind of said hey here are secret pools that are so vital to our uh, culture uh Hey Michael, why don't you jump in there and uh, help her <laughs> help, help, help her get out? I, that kind of took me out of the episode a little bit because I was like, that seems really weird that they would let her like connect with this movie. But but um, aside from that part where like I literally looked at my wife like what like why you know um, it was a beautiful beautiful episode that just really really hit me and I think will probably not only be one of my favorite Discovery episodes but probably up there with my favorite Star Trek episodes. Certainly. Wow. 
Great. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I, I certainly don't disagree with anything you said. Um, it was, it was a very emotional journey and yeah, I, I teared up quite a few times over the course of watching this. Rachel doesn't cry at anything, but, uh, that's not true. <laughs> what do you, what, what made, well, when you rewatch return of the King, yes, then I cry at Endgame. All the time. Okay. Well, you fair. play the music from the end of Endgame, and I <laughs> yeah, cry. I, I I do tear up when you hear like the theme of uh, T'Challa walking through the portal. I I I, I do tear yeah, up for sure. It's pretty. It's a pretty good. Book. Well, in any event, <laughs> this episode. <laughs> yeah, I teared up a little when you see gray come out oh my god even um, thinking about it makes me tear up yeah i mean that's that's really uh, yeah i mean it was really sad what happened um but you're a trill fan yeah so this well, had to have hit you a particular way <laughs> you know what pulled me out of the episode was at the end when the the other trills were just like oh well i guess that's okay right. now <laughs> like, yeah like i don't know like um it just seems like people don't go from uh you're an abomination to well this is fine you want to hang out with us <laughs> super fast but maybe the trill are more open-minded than humans um if jed Z is any indication i would imagine they would be yeah that's that's true um yeah it was just a little jarring that they're like hey you want to stay here i don't know i was like don't do it they're <laughs> gonna kill you <laughs> like Take your trail, Symbian. Uh, yeah, but no, I really like this episode. It was, um, it has like a little mystery to it, which I love. That you're, you're like, you know, how how did she get this troll? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, I thought it was a very interesting, um, very yeah, like a very interesting and well done little love story between them and that okay generation ship makes sense i was wondering i was like why are they like teenagers <laughs> like mm-hmm. i don't know how old the characters are supposed to be but the actors are quite young um and so i'm like why are they so young and like i i missed that it like they're supposed to have been born on this ship i guess mm-hmm. okay makes sense makes that was sense. the impression i got at least yeah okay so yeah that was that was interesting. Um, I, you know, since the episode ended, I just like, I can't stop thinking like how, I don't know, like I might die of embarrassment if like my romantic partner, like if I got their trill symbiont and I could like remember memories of me from them. I don't know. I just die of embarrassment. Well, <laughs> like, I think this episode though does a good job of of communicating the weight of the symbiont potentially even more than we saw in Deep Space 9. You know, because in DS9 there were a few times where you get to uh see Jadzia converse with representations of her previous hosts. The really right, the closest yeah. one that you got was when Curzon didn't want to leave Odo, <laughs> but um, this one really dives more deeply into the emotional weight that comes with joining. Um, and that's what I found personally to be really satisfying. And obviously this episode got a lot of attention because of 
the use of um, of non-binary and trans actors to play these characters. I loved how that wasn't like, uh, like they didn't pat themselves on the back that much for it no. in the episode. Like they weren't like, oh, well, like. But beyond like, that, like, hey, like here's some people. The the thing that just is so perfect about it to me is that if anybody would have the kinds of um, the the kinds of internal deliberations about who they really are, it would be the trill in Star Trek, you know, because you're reconciling all of these personalities uh, and discovering who you are as the product of all of these personalities placed together. And, uh, and this felt like a very natural and very uh, potent use of the trill, potentially the most potent use of the trill that we've seen in the entirety of the oh, franchise. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my wife, I think, hit it on the head. Where I don't know if you are fans of uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, but she was like, "This is connecting with the avatars, like the like like the way that they c- c- kind of portrayed it was like you know you connecting with the with with your previous lives, you know, and like actually having a conversation and like being like, this is where I fit in in this whole thing. I mean, it was just wonderfully done. Yeah. And, and and this episode evokes it in an entirely different way than we see in something like Deep Space Nine, because I think the impression that you're supposed to get about Jadzia in particular is that her personality is so forceful that she is able to retain a lot of herself after joining. You see a little bit more of a struggle with Esri in that she is not as much of a, uh, I guess... I don't know what's the dominant personality. She's much, she's, she's a little more shy and, and meek in direct comparison with Jadzia. But this, you actually see, it would be a natural thing for someone who is joined to rediscover who they are in combination with all of these other personalities. And I'm really excited to see where it can go from here because that just seems like very potent creative territory. I also really loved how in the flashback, like, um, there was a little bit of a bittersweetness that, like, Gray had changed since right. he got his, his his trill. and that You said you would be the same, right? Yeah, but, yeah. like, you know, you wouldn't quite be the same, well, right? But, like, but they also implied, too, that Gray wasn't totally aware that yeah. he had changed. Yeah, exactly. And how would you be? if you're the product of that kind of combined personality, it was a really great way to, and it's just one of the, the additional strengths that come with this show moving so far into the future is that you can explore these things that were laid down in the earlier shows, but take them into a whole new modern direction. And that's the, the chains are off. It's, it's really cool. Cicero, you've been uh, uncustomary. Well, I, you know, look, I, I was I was giving everyone else uh, a, a chance to express themselves. I was listening, man. Well, well, thank. You. Well, what, well, what did you think? What did you make of this episode, particularly coming off of a relatively recent absorption of Deep Space Nine? Yeah. So I was, you know, f- first off, I was super excited to um, to go to Trill. Right? Like we've never been there, as far as I know. We were there once in season three of DS9, uh, but I think that's Yeah, it. okay. Uh, yeah, I've got a, you know, I, I watched or, a lot of Trek recently, so yeah. yeah we've been yeah, in the pools. Yeah, we've been in the yeah, pools. Those, those pools yeah. were in there. Oh, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. I do remember. I do remember being in the pools. Yes, that's right. 
Um, so, uh, but, uh, so yeah, I was excited to go to Trill or go back to Trill. Um, I do remember the pools. Um, but, um, the other thing that I was thinking about, and, and I think it, it kind of, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of you guys were, were talking about this thing, um, but not in this way is I felt like everything before this episode, everything that's happened in discovery before this episode was a prelude to this series. Um, and I mm. think the series is, is now beginning. It has begun in season three, uh, episode three of, of its run. Um, because everything before that was serialized, everything before that was in the past, you know, they were fighting against continuity. They were fighting against the fans. They were doing all of the, all of these things and they were creating a tapestry where we would be able to learn these, learn about these characters, care about these characters, care about the situation, what was going on, all that other stuff. And now we're in the future. And it's almost like when the showrunners were sitting down and pitching the show, this is where they wanted to start. Like they wanted to start with, uh, with this Star Trek crew, with a Federation crew, a thousand years into the future, um, where the Federation doesn't exist. And like, and what would a weekly show, a weekly Star Trek show be like as a result of that? Um, and, uh, you know, they need to figure out a way to make that work, make that happen. And that's what we got the last uh, two and a half season, three seasons. Um, and now what we've got instead of the serialized nature of the first two seasons, I think we'll start to see a little bit more of a procedural bent on these episodes where we're not necessarily resetting back to one, but we will have very um, uh, neat ends to resolutions to situations that were, you know, plot points that were created in this particular episode because those plots have to close. So you're going to get things like, oh, you're an abomination in, 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 you know, in, uh, before the first commercial break. And by the time the third act, you know, is ending, they say, well, I guess you're a trail now. You know, you got to juice now. And we're, we're going to fold, uh, you know, we're going to fold our, our, our hands over our chest and, and say, you know, Hamdallah, whatever, whatever they, they wind up saying. <laughs> um, but, but like, uh, I, I think that's what we've got now. And, and I'm like, I'm cool with that. I'm like, I'm really excited about that because, um, and, and, you know, I felt that way at the end of episode three, or cause we're in episode four now, but like at the end of episode three, that's what I felt like. That was the breaking off point. Like that was the end of the old show. And now episode four is the new show with them going out and, and Burnham acting like a futuristic ambassador Sarek uh, to the rest of the galaxy as they search for the Federation in this like quantum leap, you know, one of those wanderer Bruce Banner, shows where they're just, you know, like, oh, the Federation just jumped out of the, out of the system. Uh, you know, you just missed them um, type of thing as we go on throughout the course of this, of the season. Um, 
Your princess is in Cat, another right, castle. Exactly. Like where where um you know anybody who grew up with shows in the eighties know this trope. Know the trope of the of you know the MacGuffin that that the the hero is looking for. And very much Michael Burnham's very much a video game hero. Right? Like hmm. Michael Burnham is the one, right? She is the one. And she's remarkable. She is all of those things. But at times, they use her very much like a video game character. Like, why did why was it okay for Burnham to go into the pool? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but it, it only makes sense because she's Michael Burnham. And there's something special about her, right? Um, in a very video game, video gamey way. But like... Uh, we will, I think we'll start to see more procedural types of B and C plots in, in our episodes where there's the A plot that will, you know, persist throughout the season, but, but we will like the B and C plots will kind of set reset back to zero for, for the, you know, for the ensuing, uh, for the ensuing episodes. You know, it's interesting that you say uh, that Burnham is treated kind of like a video game character. I don't necessarily disagree with uh, with your assertion, but in order for her to really get to that point for me, she's going to have to pull out some Kirk food. You know, <laughs> she's got like 10 guys trying to rush her. All she does is throw up her arms and they all go flying across. The that's that's what I need to see. And, uh, you know, kudos to our friend Dayton Ward, who wrote the the Kirk Fu handbook, which is brilliant. If you haven't checked it out, you absolutely should. It's uh, it's a very worthy addition to, to our bookshelf. I'll say that much. But, um, yeah, I think we've kind of gone around the world on this episode, but it, it certainly left an impression with a lot of us uh, for very good reason. It is, um, you know, it gives so so much additional context to a culture and a species that we have seen before, but it's almost like we're seeing them for the first time. And the, the primary uh, proxy that uh, allows us to learn more about them isn't even a part of them, but is kind of adopted by them. And, um, you know, it didn't, it didn't bug me that they let Burnham in, but I can definitely see how it took, took some people out of it. Uh, I'll, I'll say that much. But uh, some some interesting continuity notes here, according to Memory Alpha. So here we are. This this episode features the first appearance of the Trill homeworld and the caves of Makala since DS9's Equilibrium, which is uh, season three, episode four. Uh, in this episode, the sphere data retrieved during an obol for Charon begins to incorporate itself into Discovery's computer, begins to show the beginning of a personality that will eventually become Zora, as seen in the Short Treks episode Calypso. During this initial emergence, both Annabelle Wallace and Julianne Grossman provide the voice of the computer. Also, in the 822 years since The Host, with TNG episode, uh, Season 4, Episode 23, no symbiont has been successfully joined with a non-trill, although it's not made explicit if this is due to lack of effort or interest. Giorgio's true identity now seems to be open knowledge among the crew members, as Culber has no hesitation about referring to her as Emperor 
during his haiku. One of Tal's former hosts can be seen wearing a Command Division 2390 Starfleet uniform introduced in Picard. And Pav's promise to consider joining the Federation should it return does not clear up the longstanding mystery of whether Trill was ever a member, either in the 24th century or before the burn. Last thing I want to leave with um, is the the B-plot for this episode, because we didn't really get a chance to talk about it. Uh, Thanksgiving from hell, I think is a good way to describe it. And uh, for those of us who have read the uh, the novel featuring Tilly's home life, we get to see some of the additional context. Like, oh, that was just like a, a night at my house. Um, it was a, it was a really nice effort on Saru's part to try and instill some some crew morale but i also think that the real triumph of including this material in this episode was in not glossing over the trauma that would naturally come with jumping forward over 800 years in time and leaving everything that you possibly conceive of eons in the past you know that's another one of those questions again that it doesn't leave hanging it just lets you know that yeah these are people who are not really doing okay there is a chance that they will at some point, but they've got a lot of stuff to reconcile before they get to that point. And I really like that Dr. Culber is the point man to to understand that. He is pulling so many he, he's got so much responsibility for this crew that he's kind of taken upon himself. But it's really refreshing to see that someone is looking out for the clear trauma that a situation like this would present. So, um, so I really love that component. Any final thoughts on this episode? Uh, me? Anybody? Oh. <laughs> um, skip me. Sharif <laughs> <laughs> Cicero, how about you guys? Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, 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 I mean, I shared, you know, how how much I love this. I realize that they can't do an episode like this every time. Like, I, I completely get that. Um, but I will say that this is the kind of stuff that, um, you know, like, like, like we, we, I mentioned there was, I don't remember her name, the crew member last season, the, uh, Android that, you know, you kind of found out a little bit about like before she died, I really hope nothing happens to a, to a dairy, y'all. Like I was kind of thinking yeah. about that. I was like, oh man, like they, <laughs> like they, like they gave us a reason to care. And and now I hope that they don't take take that reason away to try to motivate us to believe something, you know, to hate someone or to feel something. I would I would agree a lot with Cicero's assertion if for some reason the writers decided to kill Adira and give the Tal symbiote to Michael. I'll say that much. Right. If they right. decided to do that, that might be a little right. much, but totally understandable. Right. Yeah. yeah, 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 um, yeah. So so like I I was worried about that. I'm hoping it's not a valid worry. It's it's just like sometimes you get that like fear of like fridging characters or you know more like you, you know have having characters that are not men serve as motivation for you know other characters solely so um i don't think they'll do that but that fear was definitely in the back of my mind um you know um as i was like reflecting um on the episode sure yeah, I think that's understandable. I, I I hope that's an unfounded fear as well. I really liked going on this journey with Adira. I think we all did. So uh, hopefully there's a lot more of that to come. Yeah. Cicero, any final thoughts? Yeah, I, I just want to say to Sharif, I, th- I think you – I would suspect that you don't have anything to worry about. I, I think these writers don't um, return to surprise wells um, that often. 
Uh, so, so to, to do that twice within a season, um, you know, get, get people to care about a character and then kill that character off is, is not something that I suspect that they would do. Um, but, uh, what, what I'll say is that I'm, I'm really, really digging this season. Um, I am going to, uh, toss out my own subnostication here and say that uh, we may be dealing with a a villain on this on the bridge crew or on mm. the bridge of the of the discovery and it won't be emperor jojo it will be detmer um and you know uh, like oh you think they're setting up a heel turn something's going on with her her little thingamajig yeah, in her head yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I, I think that whatever the 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 big bad AI thing was from from last season, um, oh, the nanites control, yeah, yeah, control that uh, uh, great game by the way, but um, the <laughs> um, that I think that there is some at least if not remnants an evolution, um, some portion of that DNA is left in Detmer and. And it has has is going to manifest itself some somehow some way. Um, See, I actually thought that when the computer was, you know, g- giving Saru some sass, I thought she was somehow merging or affecting the computer. So I thought that uh, that that was kind. Of, I mean, I mean, we don't know exactly what happened, but. It's just it's way too ominous with right. her and her right. like haiku about blood. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, she's I mean, she is definitely like the sow is mine, Linda Blaring. Like there is there is a lot of man, I'm old. Um my references are really old. Um so um but like there is it, it is very heavy-handed and so obviously there's going to be a payoff i i'm assuming that that payoff will be in the next episode or two um because it is just so like they can't keep that going for too much longer um so uh, something something's going to give and uh, you know i guess it's some version of a heel turn how long that lasts is is really kind of mm-hmm. up in the air Sure. Well, something to ponder as we uh, prepare for the next episode. But um, I think that that's probably going to do it for the core discussion. Sharif, thanks again for joining us for this. Um, you have anything that you'd like to to plug before we head out? Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, you know, of course, I'm on Rivals of Waterdeep. So check them out Sundays, uh, noon central. Uh, we definitely miss you, Cicero, uh, on there. Um, uh, th- that is my D and D show. So if you're into tabletop, uh, RPG stuff, you can catch me out there. Um, I also recently launched a, a new video project called e- equation play, um, where I will be looking at the little uh, things you see on chalkboards and whiteboards and video games and explaining what some of those equations are. So I have a little one minute wow. video. Um, I'm like aiming for a short form of video. So, I'm a 40 year old man that opened up a TikTok account. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I'm a older than 40, 40 year old man who is going to download TikTok because of you. 
I had to download it and figure out how to use it. Um, yes. But, but um, yeah, yeah. So, so like, I'm like aiming for like all the, all the videos to be under a minute so they can fit in like Instagram stories, Facebook stories, and like a TikTok and like easily embeddable on uh, Twitter. Um, so yeah, so, um, so like that's basically at like equation play everywhere and like equation play.com as well. Um, and my normal stuff is Sharif Jackson, S H A R E E F Jackson.com and Sharif Jackson on all social networks. Excellent. Thank you. We'll, uh, we'll have to keep a lookout for that. That sounds awesome. But, um, as of right now, that's going to do it for episode number 56 of Discovery Debrief. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please like and follow us on our social media channels. And if you'd be so kind, we'd also appreciate it if you wrote a review for the show on iTunes or Facebook. It only takes a minute and we'll be happy to read your review on the air when it's posted. If you have any questions, you can follow the show on Twitter at DSC Debrief, where you can also find all of our individual Twitter handles. And feel free to send us questions through Twitter, our Facebook like page, or by emailing us at hailingfrequencies at discoverydebrief.com. Please be sure to set your courses for this feed for future episodes, and be sure to join us next time as we discuss a brand new adventure from the final frontier. Stay tuned right now, though, for a special message from Mr. Doug Jones, as facilitated by Cicero. And as always, until we meet again, please go boldly, my friends. Hello? Hi, everybody in the Discovery Debrief Bridge crew. Doug Jones here. Yes, the tall, skinny, goofy guy who plays your favorite Kelpian, Saru, in Star Trek Discovery. Oh, hi, everybody. You know, the reason you're seeing me without my Kelpian makeup on today, uh, you can either thank or blame. Sorry, I have to look at this. Uh, Cicero Holmes. Cicero Holmes uh, got a hold of me to to say uh, uh, how happy they are to have you... uh, the whole crew together to talk more disco with your with your and this sounds very impressive your 55th episode of discovery debrief that's a lot of that's a lot of podcasting from where from where i'm sitting okay um so it must be going well or you wouldn't have 55 episodes uh, under your belt after this right um so cicero wants to say uh thanks and love and and encouragement to um uh, captain chris and Dr. Rachel Clow, and baby Esri, and the amazing uh, Professor Zaki, uh, who is aptly, aptly named. Now, there must be an inside joke there, because Professor Zaki, I don't know why that's an apt name for you, but, uh, but I'll, I'll bet it's a good reason. I'll, and I'll, bet it's, I'll bet you're all getting a laugh out of that right now. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, Cicero loves all of you guys, and I just wanted to say... I uh, wanted, wanted to have acting Captain Saru say hello. Now, that brings up a t- you know a little a little touchy subject that we like because I have been acting Captain several times over the course of this series because our captain's chair has been musical. There, there have been many butts in that chair, starting on Starship Shinjo with Captain Giorgio, then uh, moving over to the Starship Discovery with Captain Lorca. And then we all know what happened to him. He went, he went sour. Uh, and uh, then, then with Captain Pike in season two. And uh, then he went, had to go back to the Enterprise. So every time the captain's chair has been empty, it's like First Officer Saru has stepped in and gone, hey, uh, like even back on the Starship Shenzhou, let's see, uh, uh, I wasn't First Officer. I was, I was third in command. I was the Chief Science Officer. 
Uh, and but once, but once, um, uh, let's see, Captain George O and First Officer Burnham got into their issues, and there was some mutiny involved, and there was a little little road trip out to the Klingon land. Um, <laughs> they, I, I've been in the captain's chair a lot, just a lot. Uh, and then, you know, acting captain between after Lorca and then uh, acting captain again after Pike. So now that we've jumped to the future, now that season three has begun, and hopefully you've been watching and keeping, keeping abreast of what's happening there, um, you can see that I that I, I I am in the captain's chair with my still have commander ranking. What's going to happen next? Well, that's what we don't know yet. Okay, I do know, but I'm not allowed to tell you. So if you keep watching the episodes ahead, uh, that question remains: like, are we going to um, self-govern and choose our captain ourselves? Between and of course, at the end of season two, when Captain Pike said, okay, we have to discuss this captain's chair and who's going to be in it. And I was the one who said, mm, let's jump through this time wormhole first. How about? And then we can discuss the captaincy later. And I threw a look to Burnham. She threw a look back to me with an understanding that it, probably between the two of us, we're going to discuss this. And then, but the question also remains, when we get to the future, is the Federation going to want to is there a federation? If so, what condition is it in? Uh, you know, and if, if they're failing, that's one thing. If they're up and running healthy, that's another thing. Will they want to assign us a captain of their own uh, that knows the future better than we do? Or will we be in a position where we need to self-govern and choose our captain ourselves? All this yet, yeah, that, that page needs to be turned just yet. And so we, we need to figure that out. It's coming though, the answer is coming, and, and uh, so stay tuned for, uh, for all of that excitement over, over who's gonna be captaining the Starship Discovery. So, uh, uh, anyway, I lost, boy, did I get off track here? What, this was all about you, and I just made it all about me. <laughs> Typical actor, right? Anywho, I hope you kids are having a great time. Congratulations on your 55th episode of Discovery Debrief, and uh, to all of, all of your, your, the bridge crew there, uh, from our bridge crew here, uh, as we're about to embark on filming season four, that's how far ahead I am now, um, uh, I do wish you the best and hope and pray for continued dreams fulfilled for all of you, success on all levels, and love in all of its forms. There's love today coming to you from Cicero and from Doug Jones, a.k.a. Saru. And as, as a high-ranking officer in, the, in Starfleet, I can say with some authority, live long and prosper. And even more importantly now, love long and prosper. Bye.